Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode, and leave us a five-star review so listeners like you can find us. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. If you have trouble finding her on social media, it's probably because she was forced to change her name a million times. It's Violet Tendency. Oh my god. How are you? I'm good. Aside from having to change your name a million times. Oh, well, other than that, I'm great. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about all that okay. uh, because that scandal is I hate to say it's funny, but it's funny. It is funny. How it's stupid really funny. And ridiculous people are about this oh yeah it, and it kind of makes me feel like i'm suddenly if you have haters online you're kind of famous especially if you didn't really do anything wrong. yeah but we're, so. we're, we're gonna get into all there that but before we learn about your drag persona let's learn a bit about you yeah uh where are you from i'm from flushing queens oh so you're a local one yeah. okay okay what was it like living in flushing oh it was weird <laughs> like so as a kid, I thought that, I was like, I just live in New York. It's so boring. And, like, my mom lived in the city. Like, I spent my Sundays, like, in Manhattan, like, in this giant city. And I was like, this is just so boring. Like, kids that grew up in New York do not even know what it's like. Like, even the broke kids. Like, still, like, our school trips were to art museums that people travel to see. Right. Like, casually. Like, just sign this permission slip and you're going to go to the MoMA next week. It's just like, the MoMA again? Yeah. Because, like, I remember, I lived in New Jersey, so, like, even if we did take a day trip into the city, it was still, like, a field trip because mm-hmm. we were going somewhere. For you, that's just, like, taking a subway somewhere. Exactly. But I um, I went to high school in Long Island City. I went to Queens Vocational. So, like, I lived on the 7 train, essentially. So, so. does that make you a Mets fan? Eh, eh. I don't care. I don't sports. Sports. Okay. Okay. But I did watch Shea Stadium come down and become City Field. Yeah. Oh, that's a really cool experience. Yeah. When I was super into sports, because I I do come from a sports family, uh, we tried to like go to all the stadiums, and we just never made it to Shea. Again, living this close to New York, I never made it to Shea Stadium. It's one of those things. It's the only one I think I've ever made it to. But yeah, no, I growing up. It, Especially because when I was 16, I moved to, uh, like, Amherst, Massachusetts until I was, like, 21. So <laughs> New York is a great place to grow up. It's also very weird because you see And what did you do everything. up in Massachusetts? Um, I went to, like, a hippy-dippy high school. I was living with my sister. Like, I was, like, again, I was, like, ages 16 to, like, 21. So in that time, I, like, started a million punk bands that were terrible, um, did a lot of theater in a hippie school, got to do whatever the fuck I wanted, which meant a lot of, like, shenanigans, and then, like, beauty school, and then decided it was all ridiculous and just left. And brought you back here. Well, first, I spent, like, a year in Orlando, Florida. Okay. Just because you spend that long in New England, and you're like, where the fuck am I gonna go? It's really true. I, I lived, I went to school in Boston, so mm. I, I know. Yeah, you go the most random place when you first leave. Yeah. And an oppor- not really an opportunity. It was like a, my best friend's idea. She was like, let's just go to Orlando. And it was a weird year. And then I came back to New York. And yeah, a few months later, I started doing drag, and here we are. So let's talk about your 
how drag came into your life. Okay. What, what inspired it? Well, honestly, it all started when I was in Massachusetts. I went to my first Pride, and that's where I like saw queens performing for the first time. And it was really the first time I was in like a condensed group of queer people doing whatever the fuck they wanted. And so I, I watched Drag Race in like the first season. The filter well, years. Oh yeah, the like Vaseline camera years. Like it was so bad, but I was like, it looks like so much fun. Like, but I can't do that. Like, that's only for the dudes. Like, it was a lot of that. And then when I was coming back to New York, I kind of didn't really have a motivation. I was just here. I was taking care of my grandparents. I was bored. Like, I had no creative outlet. I'm someone who plays music. I play instruments. I'm always doing something. And I just had no creative drive. And then... I, like, started watching Drag Race again, and then, like, every now and again, I would, like, the, the runway videos would pop up, yeah. and then the, like, suggested videos on the side, and I think it was, like, a Holy McGrail video, and mm-hmm. she, like, is, like, won the folk queen pageant in San Francisco, um, so she's one of the, like, OG, like, folk queen where it's acceptable to say folk queen queens, and I was like, wait a second... She's doing that. I want to do that. And then one day I actually stumbled upon Boots and Saddle, RIP. Um, for now, for now. For now, for now. High hopes, high hopes there. But it was, if I remember correctly, it was like Delilah Brooks and Honey Davenport's show. Okay. So I just like sat there in shock that this place existed, first of all, and that there was literally drag shows from like morning to night and just sat there like a fucking child excited like i was like wait a second it's like looking at clowns in a circus exactly i was like this shit's fun as fuck and i was like this is back when i still got drunk so i was wasted having the time of my life i go upstairs to get ready to leave uh delilah brooks is like smoking cigarettes during the break and uh i look at her and i go i think i want to do this delilah and she goes then do it and it was all history. Nice. Yeah. So there is always a debate, perhaps one that's uncalled for, um, but there is a discussion of who is allowed to do drag. Mm. Um, and further, there is a discussion of how we title drag performers who are not cis male. Um, what are appropriate and inappropriate terms to identify these performers? And should there be a limit on who can be a drag queen? Well, thank you for bringing it up. Actually, the two big no-nos in terms of what to call a non-binary or assigned female at birth drag performer definitely don't bring bio queen into the question this is the one that we hear the most absolutely and you know when i first started i used it all the time i kind of felt like like it sounded very like robotic i thought it was Mm -hmm. kind of cool but then it kind of um erases the the trans performers because drag and biology aren't really sure that they have one does not have anything to do with the other so being a queen based on your biology it's kind of bs and unless you're in san francisco folk queen is not really so great it's their history like there's the whole folk queen movement is so important to the things i'm trying to do now because it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for everything that went on in san francisco i think 
So unless you're there and you're talking about those queens, try not to use faux queen because it just makes, you know, faux implies fake. And if right. you're putting just as much effort, if not more, than some of the queens we see around here in New York, at least, like, it's not cool. Don't use faux queen. Um, so what, what should we use? So overall, I think if you're a drag queen, you're a drag queen. But I like to use hyper queen because okay. my drag is a lot of hyper femininity. As you see, like I'm not like very feminine out of drag. And Violet Tendency is like very like bubblegum and skirts and whatever. Like that's the hyper femme version of what I'm trying to portray. So hyper queen is good. Um, so far that's the one that I've heard that's been like solid, but queen's a queen. Uh, yeah. king's a king. Uh, I, I like drag thing. I've drag heard a couple of dra- drag thing. Cause, uh, I, a bunch of my friends kind of border somewhere in the middle and just kind of, you know, it's kind of like the non-binary middle ground of drag that, you know, you don't see a lot in Manhattan, but is very prevalent in Brooklyn nowadays. Do you identify yourself as a Brooklyn queen? I, now that I live there and the majority of my performances have been there, I definitely am more like, okay, yeah, I'm a Brooklyn queen. Nice. It. I try to like, I like in the beginning, I didn't want to just be like, hey, I'm a Brooklyn queen now because some of those queens that have worked to establish that space have put so much into it. So when I see... Manhattan queens get their first Brooklyn gig. They're like, I'm a Brooklyn queen now. Nope. I'm going to take off my wig. Like, I'm like, no, don't do that. No, pumpkin, no. No. So I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of your name. Okay. Uh, so what was the first name? The very, very first name. And when you met me as was Sugar Magnolia. Right. That was the first, I mean... The character that that was was really the birth of it all. So my sister followed the Grateful Dead for like my entire life. And I like had thrown other ideas at her that were like kind of dumb that I don't even really remember when I was like, I want to do a drag. Like I need to come up with a name. And they were all really fucking stupid if I think hard (laughs) enough about it. So thank God I didn't go with them because we'd have more name changes going on. (laughs) And we don't need that. Um, But... Yeah, she, like, shot down all of them. And I was like, fine, I should just name it after a fucking Grateful Dead song, huh? So that's how that happened. And what do you know? The gays don't know about the Grateful Dead. It's true. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking with that one. So no one really got what I was trying to do. They were all like, shouldn't you be sweet? Shouldn't you be cuter? Shouldn't you? And it was there's a lot of, like, no, it's not what I'm doing. Like, I, someone was like, why aren't you a Southern Belle? And I'm like, because I'm from fucking Queens, bro. Like, no. So the name change came at a point where something had to give. I was really hitting my lows creatively and hitting my lows in my real life. And I just, it was either change something or stop. And if I stopped, I don't think that would have really lasted, right. honestly. So... I bounced around a couple names through some friends. And then one day, another one of my friends suggested Violet Tendencies. And that's the name that got me in trouble. So let's talk about that. What happened? So I thought it was, wasn't up for grabs. I checked. You know, you always... 
baby queens that are thinking about doing drag, this is very important. So if you think of a name, look it up. Look it up on social media. Look it up on Google. Look it up in burlesque uh, groups. Look like, it up on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. Just look it up. And I didn't see any other violet tendencies. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't like a plural last name. I don't know why. I was like, there's just one of me. So I just went with violet tendency because that sounded cool as fuck. I, my roots come from punk music. So, of course, I wanted something that kind of portrayed that a little bit. So that's what I picked. And it was great. I was like, nobody's got it already. We're good. And it was fine for a little bit until about like two months ago. There's like this 19 year old in New Zealand who kind of does drag, who referred to me as a bio queen when reaching out to me. Like, we're both bio queens, so we can't do this. And I'm like, I actually am not that. Also, what's happening right now? It was very <laughs> much like, why is there a 19 year old in Australia, or not Australia, New Zealand, yelling at me online until six in the morning? Oh, like, God. And it was a whole lot of, um, can you please change your name? Because you're stepping on my career. And in my head, I'm like... No. I'm like, uh, you know, we're on different continents. Right. And you don't really have a career because you're 19. I do have a career right now. I have shows under my name. I've already changed my name once. Like, I've got bookings with this name. I've got flyers with this name. Like, with all due respect, this name has to stay. Like, I'm not doing this. Like... Do you know how she found you? Instagram. I don't know. Apparently, she was following me way back when I was a part of this, like, female drag group. Okay. And, like, went as far as to be like, you saw my posts as Sugar Magnolia. Like, it's crazy. This is why it's funny. Because yeah. it's, like, so psychotic. And, like, I'm not in any sort of harm's way because she's in New Zealand. Of course. So, we're. it's, like, not like that. But, like, international stalking is a feat. <laughs> and yeah, no, so my pages just kept getting reported. Like, Because I would wake up to like a new friend request every day. I was like, okay, is this actually her? Or is this like a, a fake account? What's happening? Yeah, and then I ha- always had to shamefully be like, nope, got reported again. Like, you know, there's like 600 cherry poppins. Oh, shady. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. There's she cherry, knows it. Cherry and sherry. And, and they live in harmony. They do. They're fine. They laugh at it, and it's great. Like, there are so many queens with similar names in the city, in the same city. Of course. And, like, when I was Sugar Magnolia, Sugar Cane never came up to me like, bitch, change your name. Right. Like, because it's different. The names were different. The first names are okay. It's the last names sometimes that get a little contentious. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> When you pick your name, friends, just be very careful. Exactly. Like, you don't want anyone to think that you're in a drag family that you're not in or (laughs) think that you're a clone of somebody else or that you have no creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you are violent officially until you get reported (laughs) again. Oh, God. um, (laughs) Describe violent in three words. Ooh. Um... That's a hard one. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, loud, in your face, and energetic. Nice. Yeah. Who are some of your inspirations as a performer? As a performer, some of my inspirations, like, I have a very wide range of inspirations. Like, Patti Smith 
and Janis Joplin mm-hmm. as artists are big inspirations to me. It's like some of the music that my mother used to play when I was like growing up. And then there's uh, Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill. Yeah. Which politically and uh, the whole Riot Girl movement is very important to my drag. The like queer female punk movement is what my drag is all about at the end of the day. Like that in your face addressing issues as a femme person that gets kind of pushed to the side. So Kathleen Hanna. And then I'm obviously the mess that is Courtney Love. Mm -hmm. Like I gotta, I gotta give it to like the messes and you know, being, being messy is okay sometimes. Yeah. No. Got a secret love for Liza. She's crazy. Yeah. Well, she's the messiest. Yeah. How long does it take to become Violet? On a, it depends. It depends if I have to rush or if I have my time. So I work nine to five and most of my gigs are on weekdays. So that means I'm getting out of work at about 4.15, getting home like 20 minutes later and immediately getting into face. So sometimes I have like an hour and a half to get fully, fully me. But if I could take my time... And, like, get dressed and relax and drink my coffee and, like, listen to my music. It it was, like, two hours. Nice. Yeah. So you have done the competition circuit. Yes. I've seen you at um, So You Want an Invasion, Drag Wars, Lady Liberty, the list goes on and on. Oh, yeah. What is that experience for you? Um, See, thank God for competitions because there's no real open stages here in New York. There isn't an amateur night where you can just sign up and perform, really. I mean, now there is with Jump Shark over at Bizarre Bushwick, which is hosted by my friend Leave Alone. But other than that, there are no open stages. So as a performer, they're really important as like when you're a baby to be able to get out there. At the same time, when you're at a point where you're finally... It could be tedious to see people that bring all of their friends and win based on applause only. Of course. And, you know, it could get exhausting when you're on the grinds and you're learning and you're bringing new things and you know that you're improving. But, you know, you don't really have friends that are so supportive because I I know for me personally, none of my friends were interested in drag. I made all of my real friends that like drag doing drag. They're all performers, which is great. Um... So it's like those parts are really stressful and some of the competitions with judges that can be peers, as we were talking about earlier, can be very stressful because, you know, it's not always somebody that has much of a ground to step on to tell another performer at their level what they should be doing. But at the same time, it is a place where you get to test something on an audience. Like, I bring the weirdest shit to Drag Wars just to see if I could do it at other places. I'm like, if this is is fun here and the crowd likes it here, out of all places, it'll probably be good when I bring it here. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great way to network and meet people. And again, that's where I met most of my really, like, special friends is through these, like, silly-ass drag competitions. You know, I think... Some of the judging systems need to be figured out a little bit better. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree because, I, again, I, I go to a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and I'm part of Lady Liberty. So I, I feel strongly how we do ours because I think it is pretty fair compared to some of the other ones. Oh, absolutely. Because it's very transparent. It's 50-50 within the first round. And once you get to that final top two lip sync, 
judge it aside. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep it that way. Where you're still maintaining this idea of a bar show mm -hmm. where you're bringing the friends to get you up there. But it's the people who are the esteemed panel, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't know how esteemed I am. But this panel who are there to watch and judge for a reason. So. Exactly. And for competitions like Lady Liberty and even Ultimate Drag Pageant, the judges they bring on have a purpose. And there is a specific reason why them as a judge are judging yeah. this theme or that thing. Like, it just makes sense rather than... And I loved judging uh, Polish the Queen. That was fun. But sometimes I'm like, why is she judging? She's doing the same thing. She competed last week. Right. You know? Like, it's... Judging with a purpose and a reason and a theme is important. But Absolutely. the blind judging and some of these things are just, just audience applause alone because... It's not the hardest thing for the baby coming out and drag for the first time to get all of their friends to of support course. them and scream, even if it's like, I'm walking back and forth, and do, I'm walking back. Do you think um, that per perhaps some of these bars do these competitions because it's less of a burden monetarily for them to be like, I'm rather than paying like six queens to do a show, we can just have people come? Absolutely. Abso-fucking-lutely. Because there are some nights where... There'll be 15 queens at one competition. 15 queens bring at least, like, three friends. Like, this all... And there's your bar tab for the night. Exactly. And, like, especially for the competitions where uh, drink sales are what get you votes. Yeah. Obviously, like, that's great for the bar, especially if it's a big turnout. Yeah, and, and from a business perspective, I think it's brilliant. I, Absolutely. I'd do it. I mean, I have done it. Like, yeah. it's... It's def it's smart. It's also like exhausting when you're like, I just want to show my talents, but But you do, you get you get to. Absolutely. And in the end maybe you get like three or four new Instagram followers. Exactly. And you know, like for example, when I did Lady Liberty, I, I bombed. Like I had to change my number last minute. I brought the wrong costume. I was not confident in what I was doing. It's a great competition. I just fucked up because it happens sometimes. But you remembered me when I showed mm -hmm. up the next week out of drag. You were like, oh, silver bodysuit. I yeah. remember you. And, that, and that's all that matters. You make an impression to someone. Exactly. And, you know, you can win a crowd pretty easily if you're talented enough. Yeah. Like, I've seen it happen. What New York City queen that you've yet to work with is on your dream list? Uh, there's a lot. Um, Name them. Universe is listening. There you go. That's I really... I've always wanted to work with Ragamuffin every time I... That is the name that keeps on coming up on this podcast. This will now be the third time Ragamuffin has been oh, on this list. I just saw her last night at Persons at Bazaar, um, and every time she performs, and captivated. Yeah. Like, I don't say that word about drag, but the shit she does gets you to think. And again, there's a purpose. It's creative. It's out of the box. It's still fun. Um, Ragamuffin is one of them. Uh... It, hmm, there's a lot, and now I can't remember their names. There's some Brooklyn girls I'd like to work with more that I've like done like competitions with. I want to, I want to actually get to work with the nobodies rather than just mix nobody because yeah. that is a fun group of queens. Like they're so nice and so important, so welcoming to the community, no matter how weird or how different you are. So, their their one off shows are a lot of fun. Nice. Um. Chris of Her, another Brooklyn one, is fucking crazy. I think it'd be fun to kind of see the other side of that. Um, 
ah, the list goes on. Yeah, and on exactly. And, on. and then the name, forget it. It's very <laughs> real. What is your go-to lip sync song? My go-to lip sync song? It changes every couple of weeks. It okay, so what's today? What are you feeling today? So this week has been a lot of like, you know, it's been raining. It's been miserable. I swear I've done like the con by Tegan and Sarah at least twice in the past two weeks. Nice. Um, for a while, though, it was Bohemian Rhapsody because mm-hmm. that you saw that. I saw that. That shit was just so much fun for me that, like, if I didn't know what to do, I'd just pull that one out. Yeah, and it gets the crowd going because it's probably one of the most universally known songs. Exactly. Like it's it, long, but it's universally known. Yeah, but you know, if you if you can keep up with how ridiculous the song is, it's kind of worth the length. I mean, it's kind of like a I'm gonna stay on stage for a really long time, but yeah. not get you bored in a really long mix. Have fun. Yeah. What are some of your drag dreams? My drag dreams, I really want to do nightgowns. That's going to be a thing that, like, if I ever got that opportunity, that means I would have pushed myself to the point where my production, my numbers have the production number to be featured on a large scale like that. Um, I would also, you know, I want to host more drag punk shows. I want to see more rock and roll and more punk rock in the city because it's great that it's in Brooklyn, but it... Queens need to know that they don't need to do one one kind of drag when they're in Manhattan. Like, it can... I want to bring diversity into the city. I want more drag king shows. I want more gender-fucked shows casually in the city on a weekly basis, not just like, this is the weird night. Um, There's... You know, Dragula would be cool, but I also am squeamish. Sure. So, like... You tap out immediately. I would, you know, I'd probably have the people at home laughing at me throwing up on camera <laughs> to be realistic, but the looks are fun. Yeah. And that aspect of it is really cool. So, you know, there's, it's crazy because when you first start drag, you think the ultimate goal is drag race. Honestly. Of like, course. Let's be realistic here. We all think, well, my workroom entry is going to be this and I'm going to do that. But like, I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, obviously there's the conversation of, when season 10 applications opened, they made such a big deal about hyper queens mm-hmm. being able to sign up. What do you see in season 10? There ain't a single one. But, you know, there's so many other venues of drag and it's so easy to, well, not easy. It's not easy at all. But there are ways of getting what the drag race girls get without drag race. Sure. And, you know, look at like Sherry Vine, like, Mm-hmm. And some of the legends, they didn't need drag race. They did not. They continue to not need drag race. Peppermint wouldn't have needed drag race. She would have been fine no matter what. Yeah. You know. Well, we're gonna play my favorite game, Tea Time. Okay. And we're going. I'm gonna give you some names of some of your sisters, some of your colleagues, your peers, people you shared the stage with, competed against. Okay. You're gonna tell us a story, spill some tea, whatever you want to say about them. Alrighty. And we're gonna start off. With Tara Hyman. Tara Hyman! I am such a fan. I, like, when I first started getting into drag, like, I love... I mean, I still love Tara Hyman, but she is fucking funny. And so she's on my dream work with list. Because, yeah. like, I've competed... When she hosted Beat Your Face that one time, I did it that one time. And she's, like, really fun when it comes to competition. Like, they need to give her a competition, like, regularly. Because she is... Well, she sort of got it with the invasion. So you That's want true. Invasion. Very true. Um, 
I love that crazy bitch. She's hilarious and has always been very supportive. And as a another queen who's had to change her name, I didn't have to say anything. She was just like, okay, Violet, even though a week ago you were sugar. Like, that's yeah. cool. So I, I love Tara. Next is Shaquita. Shaquita. Oh, my. So Shaquita is kind of very important in my drag journey personally because before I showed up, um, there was a big no when it came to hyper queens and drag kings doing uh, drag wars. Um, so I showed up one day because a friend was like, just come out, just do it. And like my work schedule allowed it. And I performed without saying anything because, you know, you don't run around going, I have a vagina. Or right. maybe you do. I don't. <laughs> so I guess there was, there's a story that goes her and Nikki Boombox went into the booth and were like, did you know that Sugar Magnolia is a woman? Which is like, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, the rules were changed. Shaquita is really supportive and is really crazy and really exhausting and I sometimes want to kill her. But at the same time, she's kind of, she's kind of like drag auntie. Like she's given me a stage and support and love. And I love that crazy nut. Yeah. So someone who's shared that stage many a time, Egypt. Egypt. I, me and Egypt, we started together. I remember when Egypt was still like, Wearing a button-down shirt and lip gloss, like <laughs> I, I appreciate what Egypt does. She's a great dancer. I love her, and I love that I can tell her to keep her attitude in check once in a while. I hope she listens when I tell her next time. But no, I I hope for great things for her. Next is Magenta. Magenta is my baby. That is my fucking sister. Um, again, another queen I started with. We didn't really like each other at first I think I think we were kind of just like very different um and then really quickly grew very close she's been there through all the ups and downs um has been there screaming in the background of almost every video of my of like me performing she is she is special and she's gonna do really good things in the drag community because she's been doing this for a year and her show at the Rosemont is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, she's she's great. Yeah. Next is Flour Tortilla. Flour Tortilla. You're really... You, you did your research here. Of course I did my research. That, that turd is so great. Um, again, like, we literally, back when Chosen was still a thing, competed one night, which was, like, the third or fourth night that competition was even a thing. And, like... We were both real bad, but, you know, when you start off really bad with somebody and you glow up together, it brings you really close together. You know, she comes over, we uh, get really stoned, eat a lot of pizza, talk about drag, cry. It's great. She's wonderful. And she's also really on that glow up right now yeah. and getting herself out there in cool ways. And I just I love watching her do what she does. Nice. Next, we have Felicia. Felicia. Uh, you, you're good. You're I'm good. good. I'm good. Felicia is fucking incredible. Felicia is a baby and is already like light years ahead of the game. She's fucking smart. She's beautiful. Uh, she's crazy. They're all crazy. All of my friends are batshit crazy. Um, 
She's uh, my shamanic guide to life. Whenever I'm freaking <laughs> out, Felicia's like, girl, get it together. But in the best way, um, her concepts for what she does in drag are so good. She's just so good. Yeah. And I don't think she sees that yet. Yeah. I, I My feeling right now is that she has such a specific aesthetic mm-hmm. that's not necessarily everyone's taste. It's true. I and just, that's unfortunate because she's so good at what she does. But you know what? I just want to bring her into Brooklyn because she could take over. Like yeah. we, we like a good weird queen and she's fucking weird as shit. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like her. But she's going to do really, really good things. Next is Bella Noche. Bella Noche. Oh my God. I, I've said it until like the cows come home. There would be no violet tendency if there was never a Bella Noche. She gave me some of my first opportunities on stage. Has always been supportive. Has always been there. Has always been the one screaming in the background. And again, another queen that like has glowed up in a really big way. I I love Bella. I love seeing what she does. I love how how pretty she's become. I love her titties. <laughs> It's a great breastplate. It is. I love her. Next we have Gina Tonic. Gina Tonic is an asshole, but that's one of my best friends. She knows she's an asshole. She I does. Have no she problem does. saying this. But Gina was my first Instagram follow on my drag page. Wow. Yeah, it was Gina Tonic and then Vicky Buffont. Interesting. Yeah, random. I don't know how. I could never tell you how. But she again has always been one of the most supportive friends and allies I've had in the drag community has always stood up for me. And again, as a queen that I can tell her she's being kind and she'll maybe listen for a second. So I appreciate Just a that. single second. Just a second. But no, she's, uh, she's my sister. That's my big sis right there. Speaking of tall ladies, Misty Mountains. Oh my God, she is tall. Misty is wonderful. Um, again, another glow up queen right now. Like she's fucking taking over. She's got shows here. She's doing this. She shows up here. She's one of the hardest working queens I have ever met in my life. Like, and you were battling for scene queen. Oh, we were battling for scene queen. And it was kind of stressful because I kind of wanted her to win. But I also really wanted to win. So it's great that neither of us yeah. won. Um, but I mean, the reality is I'm going for everyone's gig next year. I'm going to be scene queen. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll, you got my vote. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have, I'll have the resume by September when it's voting time. <laughs> oh, my God. You have the resume now with how many shows yeah. you've been at. Um, now, Misty is fucking amazing and is, like, very ready to take over. She's out for blood, but yeah. she won't. She's also very nice. Yeah. Speaking of nice and new, Chola Spears. Chola Spears. I... I booked her for my show, and she was fucking hilarious. She was so funny, and she's so smart and so weird. I really enjoy her. I don't get her. I don't want to get her. I love her, though. Uh, We just did Wet by Wednesdays this week, and, like, she was in, like, this, like, little punk girl getup doing fucking Gypsy Rose Lee. It was the greatest thing I had ever yeah. seen in my life. Like, she is... She's cool. Do you know what she did for Lady Liberty? No. Oh, she did Janice! Yes, she did. We were having this... I was... Because... I always said that my Snatch game would either be Stevie Nicks or Janice. Well, apparently, uh, Stevie Nicks is so impossible to do. <laughs> Thorgy. Michelle Visage, you're wrong. 
Yeah, it's, it's really not that hard if you've no, watched not. a single interview. She's got her isms. It's true. Next is Vicky Deville. Vicky Deville is fucking amazing. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When she came out on the scene, I was a little bitter because she's so pretty and has the dance moves and like does Christina like nobody's business. But I was just like, who's this bitch showing up being amazing? Like. I'm supposed to be the first AFAB performer to win Drag Wars. Fuck that shit. And then I realized my attitude was garbage. And I really got to get to know Vicky and see what she does. And she is immensely talented. Sweet as fucking pie. Uh, I'm really excited to see what she does this next year. And to see more people want to book her. And more people should book her. Because she's great. And finally, Peretta. Peretta, that's like, that's my sister. That is literally like... My fucking drag sister. Like, if I had to pick a best friend in the community, it would be Peretta. Peretta's been through every single up and down. We've gone on the craziest adventures together. Um, She's been my emotional support during some of the hardest times this year. Uh, We've celebrated a lot of fun shit. Uh, She's always down to have an adventure. She's fucking hilarious. Like, uh, and again, her, like, so talented like if anyone knows her and knows the costuming that she does for the entire city it can blow you away like They're quite fabulous oh my god like and she knows how to put up with queen's shit like you know someone comes in with an emergency pageant uh costume needed in three days she'll do it you'll fucking win yeah like she's Oh, I'm like really excited because I'm getting my first, my first uh, Pirata Victoria costume. Amazing. For uh, Miss Brooklyn. Amazing. When is that? That is March 16th at Bazaar. It's coming up, coming up. <sighs> Don't remind me! But um, yeah, no, Pirata is fucking amazing. And I love her. What will the state of drag be in five years? In five years, um, I'm hoping that the lines have just been washed away and there isn't. Uh, there aren't such harsh rules. I think having... It helps now that, like, Sasha has won. We have Dusty on this season. We have some weird queens out in the media, some not exactly uh, trying... How do I word this? There's a little bit more gender fuckery. It's not so much... You do this and you're a drag queen. You do this, you're a drag king. I think in the next five years, we're going to see more drag kings. We're going to see more, um, not so much trying to assimilate as one gender as a performer, but rather just create. I really, I, you know, there's been so much technology put into drag nowadays. I feel like people are really going to harness that in the next few years and, projection work is gonna get yeah. cooler and you know the other day i saw it was at wepa wednesdays there's this one queen mikey dallas who showed up with uh this um like shoulder pad combo is three ipads and they were their own like trio performer interesting it was amazing so i really think expensive probably <laughs> um but i feel like you know technology is gonna play a big role Absolutely. in drag and I think people are caring less about the rules and still creating just as good work. So I'm hoping that that kind of keeps going. Yeah. This leads me to my next question. Um, 
And you kind of answered it, but a little further. Drag has become mainstream, but in the mainstream media, we tend to focus on drag queens who are the beautiful female impersonators. Mm -hmm. And it took a show like Dragula to open up the door that there is more to the art. And the reality is there's even more than that. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who is afraid or unwilling to step outside their lane and learn about what's not so mainstream? Um, I would just... This sounds really silly, but I tell them to just come to a show. Just come to Brooklyn. Come catch a weird-ass drag show that's not got your typical queen doing death drops. Come to a show like Kit Kat Cabaret that um, goes through every spectrum of drag and burlesque and understand that burlesque can be a part of it. I just say if you don't know and you can't picture it, it's out there. Go seek it. Go see it. And when you see it for your own eyes, you kind of get it because, like, you know, someone can say that someone that isn't necessarily presenting as a female impersonator in drag isn't doing drag, but then, you know, uh, just come out and see it. Just come out yeah. and see it. Why is drag important for the queer community? Drag is important for the queer community because, first of all, it gives it gives us platforms. Like, for so many queens and kings and whatever, to be able to have a stage to put whatever you need, like... Queens have been doing a great job of putting on benefits for organizations that need it. Uh, You know, there's Drag Queen Story Hour, which is literally going out and teaching the kids that being queer is okay and being different is okay. Uh, Drag just gives you a voice and helps you put on, like, the superhero cape to get the thing done. Because it's not always so easy to go out and do it as, like... I don't know how to, like, put up... Like, I'm not that confident when I don't have the face and the wig mm-hmm. on. Like, I'm kind of, like, shy and I don't really want to talk to people. But you get into the the costume, you get into what you're doing, and you can use that voice that you suddenly have the power to use. And it's really... It's a big platform for speaking in what you believe in, like what Marty does um, and the work that she does for politics for the community like i feel like having drag as a platform has been very beneficial to her getting that message out there uh yeah no it's it's a platform given to queer people and if you have a platform fucking use it absolutely how do you stay focused and committed to the art um red bull red bull (laughs) i stay stay consistently caffeinated because i get no sleep um Honestly, things inspire me every day. Like, I can hear a song and get inspired. I could... All the shit that's going on in the universe right now, like, it's so bad. Like, if there wasn't a creative outlet somewhere, we would all just be swallowing our feelings like most people do. That's why everyone's fucking miserable. I think just being aware of everything, there will always be something that keeps you wanting to create. Like, keeping conversations of what's going on in the world isn't so easy but you know hiding yourself away in a corner creating a whole on-stage moment yeah yeah again that's that soapbox yeah so if you could host a show at any bar Mm -hmm. where would it be and what would it be called if i could host a show at any bar uh so I guess I would probably want to do a pieces show because I love that bar. Um, as for the name, I don't know. I'm not that creative right now. I can't think of something. <laughs> I will admit when I am being bland that it's right now. 
But I don't know. I've always wanted a show in one of those typical venues that I go see shows at all the time because, you know, the show that I have now is not at a drag bar. It is at Otto's, which is a tiki bar in the East Village. So I think that would be a really fun experience. Like, see what what, uh, these, like, real Manhattan queens feel like. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you some random fun questions. Alrighty. Where do you go to relax after a long day? Um, where do I go? I go to Prospect Park. I live down the street. When the weather is nice, there's plenty of spaces, like, places to walk around. I don't know why I said spaces. It's been a long day. Um, I like to go all the way down to where Rock Bar is and hang out by the Hudson River. That's always kind of been, like, where I like to clear my brain. Um, Central Library is, like, gorgeous library, and there's so much space to where you can just, uh, zone out i like quiet places i also just really like my apartment yeah so if you could go to any concert right now who would it be uh my chemical romance okay okay (laughs) are they back where they're back there are rumors there are rumors sort of kind of and you know the emo child in me like needs that to happen do you have a uh, favorite song of theirs do i have a favorite song yes i'm not okay like that song was really important to me as a kid yeah yeah, and honestly, one of my most fun drag numbers to date. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like they are, they're always going to be important. Uh-huh. And I feel like right now with our political climate, I would love to see someone do kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, just listen to the lyrics and understand, like, this is a song they wrote almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's still a fucking thing. Yeah, it's insanely relevant. It's to- really sad, too. Yeah, it's what's interesting is right now in Brooklyn, the emo kid, MySpace, like uh, My Chemical Romance drag, like drag seems to be coming to the surface. Like, I know at my show every month, at least one guest does an MCR song. Um, Who knew that this weirdo band from New Jersey would have such an impact in the way that they do? But their music is still relevant. Yeah. Even if it's gone out of relevancy, it's back. They were they were just always able to transcend styles because they weren't just punk. Yeah. They were pop. They were rock. Mm-hmm. They hit every genre in the way they wrote and styled their music. Oh, absolutely. They're one of the most important rock bands to date. And I if agree. you want to argue that, let's no, fight agree. about it. I would agree. There you go. What is your favorite type of taco? My favorite type of taco... Just anything with a lot of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do the pop five rapid fire. Okay. So I'm going to give you five pop culture-y things. Okay. And you're going to respond either word, phrase, story, whatever you want to say. All right. First is the MTA. MTA. Bane of my fucking existence. How many times has it made you late for your gigs? Every, too frequently. (laughs) Actually, for um, my last show, for my show, um... My entire cast was late. Everyone was late. Like, fuck the MTA. It's true. Fuck the MTA. Next is The New Queer Eye. The New Queer Eye. I haven't yet just gotten a chance to sit down and watch it, but I have a weekend off. I'm not doing anything. So I think I want to watch some Queer Eye to see what the Yeah, I just found out before recording this that one of the cast members was a cast member on The Real World. And I'm like, what? Really? Good 
for you, bitch. There you go. Real world reality TV is important still. Oh, absolutely. Next is the new Snapchat. The new... I don't have Snapchat. Okay. I... <laughs> do but the new format of it yeah. is horrendous uh, that people are literally boycotting mm. or finding the hack to get the old version back well you know you could do the same thing on instagram who needs yeah. two different exactly apps? i mean that's in the same thing with facebook like just merge everything into one yeah though like i guess like tumblr is the private one where everyone can be their private self over yeah. on tumblr oh just give us one other app yeah everyone's got their porn tumblers i don't i don't have one sure I don't. It's All true. Right. Okay. You heard it here. <laughs> I don't. I'm a good boy. <laughs> he says no one. Uh, number four is the Olympics. The Olympics. Um, I haven't been. I haven't been following, but I've been entertained by watching people that do follow. Yeah. Every year, I'm like, you really care this much. Yeah. It's like so serious, and here I am. I'm just like, I don't want sports, guys. It's really amusing to watch people get really serious about figure skating. Yeah. And now, finally, moving on to the Olympics of drag. Drag Race Season 10. Uh, I didn't care. I didn't care. And now I care because I saw the fucking promo. And I'm really excited for Team New York. Um, it's going to be fucking great. I, it's so cool to watch this show put New York Queens in the spotlight. Again... My problem is the whole making a big deal about AFAB people in the application and then not having a single one. But all of my personal feelings aside, looking at it on a television standpoint, I'm really excited to sit and watch. Um, I really hope that there is a fucking lip sync between Cracker and Aquaria. That would be great. Yeah, that would make for excellent TV. There's a lot of moments that I want to see that I have put together yeah. in my head that are happening. Well, just like when everyone was like, oh my god, I can't wait for the Chi Chi vs. Kennedy lip sync, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, um. like, like I was saying earlier, <laughs> I want to see the moment where uh, Yuha walks into the room and all the other New York queens are like, oh shit, she made this look. <laughs> like, I don't know if that happens, but I kind of hope it does. Yeah. So now I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Okay. And this is a question from Suddenly Seymour. Oh. Her question is, why would anyone add olives to a gimlet? What's a gimlet? And there's the answer. Okay. <laughs> to drink. Oh. Ask the one that barely drinks a question about booze. <laughs> and it's also a line from a musical. Oh, uh, well, there you go. There we go. Well, now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question. Hmm. Any question in the world. If you could change the world, what would you do? Here, it's a good think one. about it. It's a good one. If you've made it this far in the podcast, use hashtag drag thing. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to the episode today, where can we find you on social media? <sighs> well, you can find me always on my Instagram is safe, which is violet underscore tendency NYC. And that's what the new spelling. I'm sure that's going to be somewhere in text somewhere because I can't remember how I spell my name right now. I have to change and it. And that's so the way we're going with it, with the new spelling. Yeah, the new spelling is that's, you know what? So this is this is something to mention before because, you know, when you get reported and you get harassed by someone, they tell you what you should do is block and report. Yeah. So I did that, and Instagram removed the other Violet Tendencies page, and when they remade it, there was deleted by a hateful queen, and then I changed the spelling of my name, and now it's gone. Great. Fantastic. So I think we're safe. We're safe for now. Yeah. Do you have backups ready? I'm going to make one this weekend, TBH, because <laughs> I just don't have the energy to do it last minute again. Yeah. Um, 
in anywhere else we can find you? Um, so far, just Facebook and Instagram. You can find my Venmo, uh, Violet, the original spelling, Tendency NYC, if you really feel like paying me for my time. But no, 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 that's it. And any gigs we can see you at? Yes. Um, you can catch me. I'm, you know... This next two weeks are for working on some stuff and going to go support my friends. But on uh, March March 7th, you can catch me at uh, Rock Bar for Petrified Presents Violet Tendency, where I will do my first completely solo show. Amazing. Are you going to have any guests or is it just going to be um, at, Right now, I'm planning on just being me, but like I don't know if that's going to change in the sure. next few days. You never know. Um so, so far, it's just me. But that's really exciting. And then immediately the next day is my show at Otto's Shrunken Head, Queer Isn't Fuck You. The, what is it? Um, the, uh, this is not a phase show. Yeah. Which is our MySpace uh, punk punk scene kid show. Because it's my fucking birthday month. And that's my Amazing. birthday show. We've got some fun guests for that. Um, and then March 16th is Miss Brooklyn. Where I am doing the biggest production piece I've ever done in my drag career. Do you know who you're competing against? I do. I can't really remember. I know it's Emmy Great is competing against me. Zalika Parsons is competing against me. Um, Lindsay Blohan, who I just had as a guest at my show. Um, Sweaty Eddie, who is a dear friend, but also is a guest at my show at the last show. Uh, And... Pinwheel, pinwheel. And that's about all I remember. That's an interesting name, right? Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be a fun night. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be weird. That's going to be a bizarre, yeah, March 16th. And other than that, just kind of slowly building the schedule, but also trying to like breathe. Yeah. Well, follow her on Instagram and you'll be able to catch her wherever she posts. And thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. A huge thanks to Violet for chatting. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. And visit our Patreon to become a patron today. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.